It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And the Emmy goes to. 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 Breaking Bad. Modern Family. Feet. Homeland. Game of Thrones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Best Series, part of the Next Best Picture podcast on nextbestpicture.com. This is a podcast exclusive brought to you by myself, Matt Neglia, and joining me today, I have Will Matheny. Hello, everybody. And Michael Schwartz. I told you Nicole Kidman was, was going to win. <laughs> yeah, right, you did. Not, I told uh, you from uh, day one. No, absolutely not. You I seem to remember you Jessica predict- Lang. Jessica Lang, yeah. That's what I thought. Will, I don't know what you're talking about. It must be that nope. West Coast thing. Nope, absolutely not. Michael, I bared witness to you making terrible picks. You also selected, and I quote... Robert De Niro in The Wizard of Lies. Ha. And he won. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, in, in 1980 for Raging Bull, yes. <laughs> oh, you all must have been watching the wrong channel. So what we are talking about right here is we are talking about the Emmy Awards, which just happened Sunday night. And the three of us are here today to talk to all of you about our thoughts on the show, the winners, and of course also to shame people who picked the wrong picks. Ah. <laughs> so... With that said, Will Mavdi, let's start off with you. What did you think of the show itself, presentation-wise, overall? I'm always a fan of Stephen Colbert. I mean, it, the Emmys never really appealed to me as much as the Oscars do, just as a general show. I thought Colbert had some very funny moments, his monologue, you know, the whole, uh, he's listing off African-American nominees, and then he lists Bill Maher. I thought that was a, a nice oh. burn. That was great. <laughs> that was amazing. Even as someone who really enjoys watching Bill Maher week after week, that was a very deserved oh, it, burn. It was such a burn. So great. Oh, my God. That was very well earned. As he's giving his opening speech, I couldn't help but say to myself, wow, he's really not talking much about politics. Wow, I'm really, really surprised. Maybe maybe he's going to tone it down tonight. Mm-mm. Next thing you know... Sean freaking Spicer, of all people, is up on the stage. Okay, yeah, this has been the thing that sort of broke the internet today. The internet has been so pissed about that today. I thought it was great. (laughs) I think the idea, Matt, is that, yes, it was a funny little cameo, but that this is someone who assisted someone in doing a lot of damage and lied a lot, and then now we're turning him into kind of a likable... Yeah, so, I mean, like... Are they trying to humanize him? Yes. And I'm not buying it. That's okay. I didn't necessarily had a pro- I didn't necessarily have a problem with it because it was more of just a shock factor that holy crap he's there and the look on everybody's faces in the audience was just priceless. I had the Anna Klumsky look, not because I thought it was funny, I didn't, just because I was so shocked at the moment that I laughed at how absurd it was, 
But then letting it settle, I was thinking, you know what? I'm not ready to laugh at the man who denied the use of gas chambers in the Holocaust. Yeah, I... So, yeah. Y- yeah, here's what I'd say about Sean Spicer, is that this is someone, you're right, who was tasked with a very difficult job. I don't envy anyone who had to try to put a positive spin on a lot of the things that would come out of Trump's mouth. The biggest crowd ever. But, and I, I also think this is someone who wasn't necessarily suited for this job in the first place. He's not necessarily good in a room. But... It doesn't change the fact that he did not have to take this job and that he did help perpetuate a lot of negative acts. And it seems kind of weird, you know, and to do the same thing people are doing with W now where everyone's like, oh, look, he likes to paint and stuff. You know, it's it's a similar situation. I understand the desire to humanize him. Everyone's human. Sean Spicer is a human. I think it maybe was in poor taste. Yes. Okay. Well said. All right, that's fair. I, I found the moment to be memorable, shocking, and I think maybe the overall shock factor is what maybe came over me in the moment. I will admit that I also thought that the you know largest crowd ever at the Emmys joke was I, I was happy that it ended there. Like I was glad it didn't go any longer than that. But if there's one thing that could really encapsulate how people probably felt about this moment. They had the camera on Melissa McCarthy's face, and she wasn't even laughing. Now, if that doesn't, you know, speak volumes about the moment in general, I don't know what does, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was bizarre. But back to the opening really quickly. Uh, I like Colbert, too. I liked him more on the Colbert Report than I do on The Late Show. Yes. But... You know, I thought at first he would be a good choice to host just because he's a nice presence. Uh, A lot of people don't know he's a song and dance man. He loves Broadway and Sondheim. So we got to show that off a little bit. I just didn't think the writing was very good. Like that opening number, it was just sort of flat. I liked the dancing handmaids. That was like something out of Mel Brooks. That was But then the jokes that were coming afterward, I mean, yeah, that Bill Maher one was funny. There were a few that landed. But other than that, his material just didn't seem on par with how good he can be. The best joke of the night wasn't even anything in the opening. For me, the single best joke was after John Oliver won and him, Colbert, and Kimmel were drinking together and they have the line where they say, uh, you know, they're talking about the drink, but they're also relating it to um, to John Oliver and they're like, so pure, so good. <laughs> they only make it once a week. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. Did Jimmy Kimmel say that? I don't remember which one of them said it, but it, 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 it was a really, really funny way to just poke fun at the fact that both of them had lost to this man again. I like Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> a lot. Like, when he hosted last year, that was one of the more memorable Emmy broadcasts. That's when they served peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the audience. Oh, yeah. And Oscars. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good guy. I like that he hosts the Emmys and Oscars and uh, bring him back every year. Yeah, if anything, I felt that Colbert's um, overall performance was – it was fine. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It, it felt overwritten, I guess is the word I would use for it. Overwritten to the point where it just wasn't as funny as it could have been. Like I didn't feel like he was saying anything off the cuff that felt like it was him. It definitely just felt like lines that were written for him. And then you have this cutaway segments with Westworld and RuPaul. Oh, that RuPaul one was awful. And the Westworld one was pretty good. You have to admit, too. Oh, I, I thought that went on too long. Oh, no, I, I thought it was pretty. I, but you watch Westworld, right? 
Uh, yeah. See, I haven't seen an episode of it, so uh, well, maybe someone well, that's, lost that's it. Well, that, that's exactly Mike. why, yeah. <laughs> so, and I think you compare this to someone like Jon Stewart, you know, another Daily Show alumni when they hosted. Jon Stewart was clearly going off of lines his team wrote for him, but he did feel more natural. There seemed to be a degree of improvisation that was not necessarily present with Colbert last night. Right. Mm. And Colbert's always a little more buttoned up than Jon Stewart. I mean, Jon Stewart's able to flow with it a little easier you see that at the oscars and on his own show i'm not gonna lie every single time i think of john stewart i think of a line that a friend said to me once where he was like oh john stewart he's that guy in uh big daddy right oh god <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like such an obscure fake i'm like john stewart <laughs> big daddy big come daddy. on that that's where you know him from anyways um off of that tangent there for a moment um what was another memorable moment oh yeah um i have to say i I did really like the whole uh, part where they played back the clip of uh, Trump talking about how he never got the Emmy for uh, his show during the debate with Hillary. And then Colbert was like up on the stage. He waved to Trump and he's like, like basically saying, I dare you to say something about us and tweet about it. Yada, yada, yada. Did anybody check to see if Donald Trump did tweet something afterwards? He did not. Oh, no. well, thank God. That, might, that must be a first. So I thought it had its moments, but it wasn't anything truly spectacular. Although Kelly and Conway did go on Fox News this morning to talk about uh, Sean Spicer on the Emmys and say something like, I know Kate McKinnon won for playing Hillary, but she was better as me. Ugh. Really? Yes. Ugh. They don't even watch. <laughs> they, they definitely don't even watch. Well, I will say Scott Feinberg a couple months ago put out a piece uh, that he broke claiming that Donald Trump is an active member of the Television Academy. Uh, that doesn't surprise me. I wonder what his ballot looks like. <laughs> Duck Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the big winners from the evening. I'm going to list them all. Uh, starting from the bottom, working our way to the top here. These are the ones that did not win uh, a major award for their series. Uh, this is Us won two, Atlanta won two, The Crown won three, The Night of won four, Westworld won five, Stranger Things won five, and then the five big winners of the evening, uh, ranking by how many total awards they won. Black Mirror, San uh, Junipero won uh, two, Woo. Veep won five. SNL won seven, and Big Little Lies and The Handmaid's Tale won eight each. That is significant about The Handmaid's Tale. I know. Like, damn. I mean, and I will say this. I mean, as somebody who watched the whole series through, and I I, I can confidently say it was the best thing I think I saw on television this year. I think each one of those eight wins was deserved. It is good. I've only seen the first episode and haven't really had time to catch up since it's the show that you really need to be in the right mind to watch. It's pretty amazing. But it was very good. It does kind of make some of Stranger Things' wins feel weird now. You know, the fact that Stranger Things cleaned up at the text, even getting things like opening credit design presumably to support its inevitable best series win, now feel just kind of out of place. I'm yeah, there's really... no reason why Stranger Things should have won that award. I, I'm sorry, but music, yes. I'll give it yeah. music for the titles, but the design of the credits, nah. When you have something like The Crown or Westworld's titles instead to win just for, like, 
red text over black. You know, it's kind of the same way some people talked about that they felt like Emma Stone's win for La La Land was kind of weird in hindsight since La La Land didn't win Best Picture. I know Mike is preparing to reach through his computer screen to kill me for saying this now, but you know what I mean? Like, some people have talked about that seemed to be the kind of thing that was going to be kind of a coattail win, something to give weight to its inevitable Best Picture win, and then now that the film is not a Best Picture nominee, it just feels kind of odd that that was... Well, looking through here, I mean, the the two big awards that Stranger Things won were for editing, which, okay, like, I, I can understand that. The, the competition was pretty fierce overall this year, and it was really, really tough to pick a winner when Game of Thrones was not present, so I, I get it. And it also won casting, which was the indicator that made people go, mmm, it won editing and it won casting, mmm, you know? But casting... You know, when you look at that show to cast all those child actors, I mean, that's not a surprise, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, and it won the SAG Ensemble, of course, you know, which certainly was a precursor that gave us good reason to believe this would happen. But in hindsight, again, that is kind of weird, seeing how much they love The Handmaid's Tale, that they didn't just go for it. Maybe it was sort of like at the Oscars last year with Moonlight and La La Land. You have something taking a lot of the text. And then the socially relevant piece taking the big one. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I You know, it was interesting because even all the way up until uh, Best Drama Series, even though Handmaid's Tale had won seven awards by that point, there was still a part of me that felt that Stranger Things could still end the night winning. There was a path for it, but I think once Handmaid took directing and writing, that's where I sort of said, okay, my prediction was wrong. It's going to be Handmaid. But it's crazy, though, because for me personally, I predicted Handmaid's Tale to win for Elizabeth Moss writing and directing. And I still had it losing best series. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why, but I just I kind of had this feeling that Stranger Things, you know, which had continued to do well all throughout the entire year, mind you. I, I thought Stranger Things could still somehow pull it off in the end. But no, I was definitely wrong on that one, and The Handmaid's Tale pulled it out. And to tell you the truth, I'm, I'm actually happier for it because I like it when there is a large uh, hall like this, uh, which is something that we don't really see that often with the Oscars themselves anymore. So to see that happen here at the Emmys, um, again, because the last two years Game of Thrones has won 12 uh, both years, you know, to see another show win a lot of awards and uh, to really be anointed as, hey, this year was defined by this show. Like, that's a really, really cool thing to see. And I really love that they had the balls to um, reward it with things that it really did deserve. I mean, cinematography, nothing should have been The Handmaid's Tale for cinematography. Um, the directing kind of goes hand in hand with that. And also, too, Elizabeth Moss got her due. What is it, like nine nominations or eight or something? And she got her first win. Yeah, she had been around since the West Wing playing uh, President Barthet's daughter, Zoe. Mm-hmm. Then she goes on to Mad Men, loses every year that she's nominated for that. Should have won for Top of Lake. Yeah, Top of the Lake. I totally forgot about that. And now yeah. she has uh, Handmaid's Tale, this big lead role. It was really her time. Yep. Totally. Sorry, Claire Foy, but uh, maybe you'll get it in next year. Yeah, it's possible. Because one more year in the crown. That would be a nice compromise. Definitely. I mean, it was really also great, too, because The Handmaid's Tale is a show about uh, women, and it was directed by a, a woman, and she, uh, Reed Morano, she won. Congratulations to her. You know, so that was really fantastic to see as well. And the whole evening as a whole was kind of ruled by women. 
You know, the hand, the Handmaid's Tale, Veep, um, Black Mirror, and uh, the Big Little Lies. The four big winners of the evening, um, all centered around women. So that was a really, really, really fantastic thing to say. And these stories matter. Yeah, whether it's by design or not doesn't really matter. I mean, that was just man, was that powerful? I didn't hear, especially with Big Little Lies and recent and Nicole were up on stage and. Oh, God, those two women just really summed up the moment and what it truly meant so beautifully. And to hear Nicole, Nicole Kidman, of all people. Whom I did not predict. Get up there and say, you know, Reese and I decided to do this because we didn't feel like we were getting the roles that we deserved in Hollywood. That is insane to think that those two women are not getting roles left and right, you know? There's a problem, and then there are these people on television. It's a, an efficient way to do it, and that's where the stories are. So people just make the leap, and obviously it pays off, because I don't know if everybody realizes this. Nicole Kidman won two Emmys last night. One of them was as a producer of Big Little Lies, which she also won with Reese Witherspoon, so they both took home awards. That's awesome. Yeah. That is freaking awesome. And then Nicole Kidman's speech. I, I, I know I predicted Jessica Lang, and I actually preferred her by a tiny, tiny little margin. It was so close. Nicole gave an amazing speech. It's probably the best performance of her career as far as I'm concerned. So I'm the so speech? happy to see her. <laughs> <laughs> the speech. <laughs> no, I would actually... Um, wow, yeah, I, I think I might actually make that claim as well. I think, that's, I think this is the best work I've ever seen Nicole Kidman give us. So raw and vulnerable. It's just something we haven't really seen from her before. Let's keep up the Big Little Lies uh, love here. Uh, we also had a win for um, the would-be Academy president, Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Which was also so her oh, first Emmy Let's talk about well. the shade that went her way on Twitter. Yes, our friend Jackie Hoffman, one of the great Broadway actresses, comedians, uh, New York Jews. We love Jackie Hoffman. Uh when her name wasn't called, she started shouting, damn it, damn it. You could see it on camera. And then the rest of the night just started tweeting all this stuff at Laura Dern. She said the, Laura Dern ran a child sex ring. Yes. Uh, we, that was that. my favorite. She said that she stole art from Holocaust survivors. Uh, <laughs> said that she won because her parents were celebrities and I'm ignored because my parents were common folk. I, I couldn't figure out, was she going for humor there, or was that genuine bitterness? Oh, no, it's all humor. That's Jackie Hoffman's shtick. Oh, God. Because she, she had been talking about the nomination for months and months, and how she was going to win it, and how she, like, hated her competition. This is all her act. That's so funny. Yeah, she's one of the best. I was so happy to see her get the nomination. And I was rooting for her to win, even though I loved everyone else there. But uh, I'm so glad to, see it, to have seen her in the theater and on the red carpet. Yeah, the whole thing was pretty hysterical uh, overall. Uh, I just, I was just so happy to see Laura Dern up on stage getting an award for something. After like seven nominations, too. She's been around for quite a while. Right. Remember, people, she was in Jurassic Park, and that wasn't released yesterday. <laughs> just saying. Um, then also, too, you have Alexander Skarsgård win. That was a good which win. I know Will was thinking... Man, the Skarsgård brothers are on top of the world right now. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, with Bill doing Pennywise. I mean, yeah, this is this is their time. Now we pre- we all predicted out Alexander, didn't we? I did. I did. Yeah. Okay, so that was not an upset. It, that was such an interesting win because, like, he has such presence in it 
But he's not in a ton of scenes. Like, when you look at Alfred Molina, he's borderline lead. Stanley Tucci has more screen time. But what Alexander Skarsgård does is he comes on and creates this really menacing figure who could flip it on and off from charming to evil. Oh, it, it was a performance that stayed with you. I mean, he was terrifying. Right. You remember that character and everything about him. Absolutely. It's almost Absolutely. like he has more time than Viola Davis in Doubt, obviously. But it's like one of those performances where he comes on does what he needs to do, and it stays with you. Sticking with Big Little Lies for a minute here, uh, Jean-Marc Vallée won for directing, which I'm going to just throw it out there right now. Unless if you're Steven Soderbergh, um, if you direct your entire series, you will win Best Director at the Emmys. And he has the chance to do it again next year because he's directing Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson in uh, the Gillian Flynn adaptation of sharp objects i can't wait for that this was the one award where i i mean i made a bold prediction i went with my gut and i picked steven zalian to win for the night of and like an idiot i was kicking myself and i was like why 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 did i not just pick big little lies like i probably should have you know i was kicking myself about it because it just seemed like such an easy easy check off you know for everybody so I don't know what I was thinking with that one, but I was very, very happy for him regardless. Um, then probably one of the biggest uh, shockers of the uh, of the evening. I, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. Big Little Lies wins everything but writing. David E. Kelly ends up losing to uh, Black Mirror. So I have a theory about that. Is it like a conspiracy theory or is it just a theory? Uh, just a theory I saw or I came up with last night as I was watching. David E. Kelly went a lot of years in the 90s without being nominated for his many hit shows. And I think there's sort of a little competition going on with him and his peers. Like some people are jealous of him in a way that even though he was nominated and went along with the show, I don't know if everyone wanted to vote for him just because they see him as so successful to begin with. I don't know. This is just a thought that came to mind last night. I have no grounding also there is the fact that black mirror is on top of the world right now largely because of its scripts they clearly liked it since it won its category and it may just be weren't there two episodes of big little lies up as well i mean they might have split votes then you have no it was the whole series of big little lies oh okay yeah so so technically it was two episodes will just plus another five more (laughs) (laughs) god damn so i mean Black Mirror also wins Best Television Movie, uh, which I believe we all predicted, except Michael might have picked Wizard of Lies. No, I definitely picked Black Mirror. But I, I want to say, before it even got nominated, back when we had our way back uh, nomination predictions episode, I called it winning. Do y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah I do remember I do. that, actually. And that's really interesting, because they put it as TV movie and just submitted San Junipero. But honestly, when you look at the other episodes, I mean, it's really good, San Junipero. But it's one of the weaker ones. Compare that to, like, Nosedive, no. the Bryce Dallas Howard one. No. San Junipero is one of the best episodes of the series. It's very good, but I think Nosedive was far superior with that Rashida Jones script. To be fair, Rashida Jones did write a good screenplay. Bryce Dallas Howard gave an incredible performance in that episode. But the writing in San Junipero was better overall. Agreed. I still wish the White Christmas episode had gotten some love. Like, honestly, it makes me sad this is the first attention Black Mirror's gotten because there should have been a lot of screenplays from that show showing up over the years. That'll be back. I think Netflix is going to sort of perfect this model when it comes back for the next season and maybe put every individual episode in as, like, its own movie. 
Kate McKinnon, Alec Baldwin, uh, directing and also uh, variety series. SNL had probably, what did they say, its best year since 1993? I don't remember uh, in terms of wins, but when Lauren Michaels went up on stage, he was saying, like, this is our most exciting year since 1976 when we were first here. Yeah. It's true. Like, the, what they were given to work with this year and the climate surrounding them, they just made wonders. I know they had controversy for actually having Trump host two years ago, but mm. I think they've sort of gone on the apology tour for that and made up in ways that really brought the show into new heights. Yeah, yeah. That, that show is always going to be as good as the writing, and there are times where the writing is not on par with the actors. But when it's on top, it is on top, and that's what we saw last night. Absolutely. I don't think that show is going anywhere anytime soon. No, of course not. Moving over back to uh, the acting categories here for a second here, too. Probably the single biggest shocker of the evening, I think, Anne Dowd. Yeah, I was so happy for her. I screamed when it happened because, partly because I just met her a couple days ago on the streets of New York, and I was kicking myself for not taking a photo with her so that I could just post it right afterwards, uh, you know, and be like, oh, look at me with Van Dowd. Um, and, of course, I had to deal with everybody in the room saying to me, you didn't get a picture with Van Dowd? What's wrong with you? You know, so whatever. But I also was shedding tears of joy because – the leftovers meant so much to me. Um, it's probably in my top five most favorite television series I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. And The Handmaid's Tale, if it continues on the streak that it's on, has the possibility to get up there too. So in a way, this was basically them rewarding her for, in my opinion, I believe, both performances. And also just to reward a hardworking character actress who has had a very struggling and very tough uh, time in, you know, in Hollywood, but finally found a place to call home and has made a career for herself now that's sustainable, and it's just a feel-good moment overall. And she's also one of the nicest, nicest people, even though the two roles that she's most remembered for are far from who she is. Yeah, you hear her in these interviews leading up to the Emmys, and you just hear someone who you could give a hug to. Like yes. she just sounds like so sweet, so genuine. And you look back at her career. I know a lot of people just discovered her with compliance, which was like a big breakout supporting yes. role. She should have been Oscar nominated for that. Yes. But looking back on her career, she's been putting in work going all the way back to like Philadelphia, the Tom Hanks Denzel Washington movie in 93. Yeah. She just always pops up as a character actress. So to see her in that first episode of Handmaid's Tale, you were like blown away by how evil and ruthless she is. No, I wasn't because I've seen her in The Leftovers. You well, gotta watch that show, special. Michael. Yes, it is on my list. See, but I can't just watch The Leftovers any old time. I need to be in the right headspace for it. That's bullshit. You can watch it at any time, anywhere. It's it's good for the whole family. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on from that, then uh, Riz Ahmed uh, wins lead actor for The Night of. I told you, Michael. I was very skeptical. I thought he was going to cancel out with John Turturro. Nah, man. He's on top of the world right now, Michael. Like, everybody likes Riz Ahmed, too. And he's excellent. That show was fantastic. Yeah, he's just such a dapper gentleman and so professional. Comes off as very genuine and sincere. sincere. And the transformation that he played on the night of, I mean, it's the best performance I've seen him give yet. I mean, he went full Walter White, you know, with that, with that role. So, 
Um, it, it was quite a stunner, but not as much as a stunner as uh, John Lithgow's performance in The Crown, which deservedly won. And it was the first award of the night. Um, yeah, I think that was his seventh Emmy or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. He's won so many. It's crazy. And I'm sure the people from The Crown probably had to suffer a little bit from uh, – uh, like it reminds me of like when Christoph Waltz won Best Supporting Actor for Inglorious Bastards, and then Inglorious Bastards it doesn't win anything for the rest of the night. That was like the first award. That's how the people from the crowd must have felt. They're up for yeah. all these awards. John Lithgow gets up, and it's like, oh, the night's off to a good start, yay! And <laughs> no, <laughs> just the rest of the night, just stay in your seats, people. What if Gary Oldman starts winning for Churchill, and John Lithgow just shows up and starts taking his awards? I swear they got to do something. They should do so. I don't. Should they do something? I feel like there should be some sort of a skit online that somebody, one of the late night talk show hosts, should do. Maybe they have Gary Oldman on, and then John Lithgow makes like a surprise appearance or something. They got to do something. And then Brian Cox and Michael Gambon come in too. Like they have John Lithgow come out with like an Emmy in his hand, and he's like, "Well, I want one of these for playing Churchill." You know, <laughs> you know, just I don't know. They could have some fun with it. And he's not going to be back for season two, so this is really just the perfect cap for him. Oh, totally. Uh, let's also talk about probably what was many people's feel-good win of the evening. Writing for a comedy series, Aziz Ansari and Lena Way for Master of None, the Thanksgiving episode. It's such a great episode of television. One of the better ones I've seen this year. And a lot of that, I mean, I know her writing is amazing and it has her voice in it, but just going back to the nominees from... Uh, guest actress in a comedy series angela bassett is so good there and i'm sorry she didn't win but just seeing that the episode was recognized it was almost like a makeup for her losing i'm i'm, I'm glad that you got your vindication michael <laughs> but wasn't she great yeah no she was she was good i'm just believe me i'm very happy that the writing won that's for sure because uh that that was some stiff competition this year you know with feep and uh, atlanta in there and I loved in the moment that Aziz let Lena speak the whole time. Oh, yeah. Well, he got to speak last year. So, I mean, uh, at least I think he got to speak last the year. Last year was weird. Remember, he went up with, I think it was Alan Yang, and then they got cut off, and he didn't get to do his whole part, and then they brought him back up later. That's what it was. Okay, yes. Because I definitely remember him speaking last year. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I, I, I'm going to make another prediction right here, right now. I think Master of None wins comedy series next year with uh, Veep apparently not in the running. Yeah, I think there's a very good chance that happens. I think it's going to be like a Master of None versus Curb Your Enthusiasm race. Mm. Hasn't Curb Your Enthusiasm been off the air for like five years? Well, that's just because that's how Larry does it. When he gets bored, he takes a few years off and then comes back when he's ready to do it again. I'm bored. I'm going to take a few years off, go to Bermuda or the, something. The only reason he's coming back now is he said he got sick of people asking him when he's coming back. Oh, yeah, that seems like a great reason to want to write a couple episodes of television and invest all your time and energy into it. He, he, that's the type of person he is. He goes, takes a few years off, does a Broadway show, says he hated it and never wants to do it again, and then he goes back to what he's used to and remembers how miserable he is. Uh, rounding out the comedy uh, categories here. So... Best actor in a comedy series goes to Donald Glover. Best directing goes to Donald Glover. However, Julia Louise Dreyfus, not surprisingly, wins her sixth Emmy in a row for Veep. And then everybody's holding their breath for comedy series. I know I wasn't. I predicted Veep. And sure enough, Veep did end up taking it. Do you guys feel that uh, Atlanta 
should have just taken all three and they should have just given it to Julie Louise? Like, wh- what do we think here? No, I think Veep should have taken it. And this year, like, they're up against the biggest political satire that there is that's happening in real life. And they still managed to be as funny as ever. And it's a terrific show. Everyone's on their A game. Julia Louis Dreyfus is the best of the best. So I see no reason that they should have it taken away. And I'm glad that they won. Well, next year they will not be up for any other awards. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see if Atlanta could uh, pull it off again. But like I said, I still think uh, Master of None has a wave of momentum right now that could culminate in a series win at some point. And how great was it to see when they presented comedy series? You have Norman Lear and Carol Burnett, just two of the biggest television icons of all time. That was amazing, yeah. As somebody who studies like the history of sitcoms, uh, comedy on television... Just seeing the two of them, they're icons to me. Yeah, no, it was definitely really heartwarming. Also to see the cast of 9 to 5 reunited. Yes, and Dolly Parton boob jokes. They are the best jokes. <laughs> there was like so much legend on that screen at once, I, I, I could barely take it. <laughs> and that audience stood up fast. Like you didn't have to wait for anyone to tell them to get up. They just got up out of their seats. Oh, yeah. Nah. The audience last night was uh, pretty amazing, and they were very, very respectful for moments that they needed to be. You know who wasn't respectful last night? You know who was downright, dis- downright disgusting and borderline offensive? The producers of the show that kept on yeah. cutting off everybody's speeches as we got closer to 11 o'clock. Yeah. I started yelling at my screen, and I was like, you're not going to make 11 o'clock. You're going to go over. Stop cutting people off. Let them have their moment. I saw someone online say that you cut off Sterling K. Brown, but you allow Nicole Kidman to read the entire Australia act. <laughs> But but that's the thing, though, and I, all I kept saying to myself was, I don't care if you won last year. You know, this is lead actor in a drama series. And he's the first African-American to win since Andre Brower in the 90s. And he was making a speech about that, and it was touching. I, I don't – to me, it just came off as such a classless – move i was so like just upset by it and the fact that he continued to keep talking even after they shut his mic down and then they had the audacity to pull the camera away so we don't even know what he's still trying to say that was and the audience just now is clapping him off and everything and it's just like dude at that point don't even hold the shot just go to commercial but no we got to just have them come out and present the next awards we need to finish by 11 o'clock as much as humanly possible Uh, and i don't get why they uh, speaking of timing and all that i don't get why they play a clip for the first acting category and then just drop that the rest of the show yeah that was weird well they're trying to obviously they, they probably have they probably have short and condensed ones if they need to use them for time purposes and then they got the longer ones if they're running you know below time but it, it's still as if like almost they, they they probably like hope they probably hope in the back of their minds that people don't show up you know for their accepted speeches I don't know. It's like maybe they planned for that. Well, that's bad producing. Yeah, I, I was I was very, very upset by that. Um, and then I also, you know, back in my mind, I was thinking the whole time too, man, the internet's going to have a field day with the fact that they didn't play off certain people, but yet they played off a man of color. Yeah. It was just a bad look. Yeah, it just, ugh, the whole thing just left a really, really, really poor taste in my mouth. And then, um, you know, after that, um, the Handmaid's Tale ended up picking up, and there you go. I mean, 
here we are. Which is really significant for Hulu because this is a service that has struggled for a few years to get original content. Netflix was always dominating them, so it was just assumed that Netflix would be the first to win an Emmy for a series. And here we go. Hulu just hits it out of the park with Handmaid's Tale, and they're the first to do it. At their first at-bat. I bet Netflix is so pissed. Oh, Netflix really needs to get better at, I don't want to say campaigning because they get a lot of these nominations, but when it comes to like Oscars and apparently Emmys now, they're so stubborn in their ways that they're going to be left behind with all these other services speeding up. Yeah, I mean, you look back on it and it really does not make sense why House of Cards um, has not won drama series or Kevin Spacey or uh, Claire. Um, oh, not Claire. Uh, that's her name in the. Uh, <laughs> that's her name in the show. Robin Robin Wright. Wright. Yeah. Because well, I think now because it's not very good. During its best seasons, it was up against Breaking Bad, and since then, it's and no one was going to be Breaking Bad, and since then, it's just kind of been on a downward spiral. No, you're 100% correct on that. I mean, but still, I'm surprised somewhere along the way. Um, like, the year the year that it should have probably won was the year where it was Breaking Bad Season 5 Part 1. That was the first year Breaking Bad won. And the reason why it won was because the final season was airing during that time. The final season was getting all this acclaim. And, of course, a year later, the final season did end up winning. It's like... And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, it's easy to say this stuff now. But I definitely remember during that time, I wanted nothing other than Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones to win. Um, but I was rooting for House of Cards to also pull it off if possible. You know, and then season two, House of Cards, freaking awesome. And we head over into the next year. Um, Game of Thrones is not eligible. Breaking Bad uh, is eligible. And it's the final season. And it's freaking amazing. And then you also have the first season of True Detective. And then after that, that's where House of Cards starts to go downhill, and you know the rest is history. So mm-hmm. there were people that felt that felt that the Crown could pull it off earlier on in the year. Stranger Things won- winning uh, would have uh, pulled Netflix to win that they needed. And at the end of the day, it's like, hey, listen, I don't know what they're content with. You know, I don't know if they're just content with getting all these other wins elsewhere. I don't know if they're content with having one of the biggest uh, shows in the world with Stranger Things. I mean, not just one of the biggest. They have they have some of the biggest, you know. So, or, you know, do they just look at you know this win and they say to themselves, "Oh man, screw everything. We didn't get drama series. It's all for nothing." Like, I I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, they're gonna have to step it up, step it up on both ends. Like we have uh, over on the Oscar side. Few contenders with like Mudbound for Best Picture, Dustin Hoffman and Best Supporting Actor. How are they going to do wait, that? Wait, Dustin Hoffman Supporting Actor for what? Meyerowitz stories. Is that really a thing? Yeah. Yeah, Tapley was just talking about it. He thinks that Hoffman's going to get in for sure. Wow, shit. I see that in a couple of days. Now I'm more excited than ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if they're stuck in these old ways of like, we're not going to put it in theaters, we're going to just have it streaming, we're going to campaign it our way. Well, you lose the Emmy, and you don't even get the recognition at the Oscars. Like, what is the point of your service then? And did you see that new ad that they uh, the Netflix used? sucks one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is brilliant branding, though, to flip that uh, Netflix is a joke billboard on its head. Yeah, I'll that's what that. it was. Netflix is a joke. So 
I don't know. I, I, I think it's a very, very interesting state that we're in right now where streaming services are competing against one another for a win. You know, um, Colbert last night made a joke about This Is Us uh, being the OG of television because it's broadcast. NBC, they used to have it all. Hey, listen, I don't think broadcast is out of the game just yet. People made it seem like This Is Us was like the comeback year of all comeback years for broadcast broadcast has been around broadcast has not gone away completely it's the first network show since uh the good wife to be nominated but then you go back like 20 years and see how much has changed i just finished reading a great book called seinfeldia and it talks about nbc in the 90s you had golden girls friends uh, seinfeld mad about you all these shows that factored in at the emmys that era is gone there's like little remnants left, but yeah. Um, and whatever shows that, you know, from that era that people are, you know, still gravitating towards, uh, streaming services are starting to put those on their content as well. Even yeah. Hulu has the Seinfeld deal. Netflix has a ton of stuff too. Fuller house. <laughs> oh, well, we won't go there. <laughs> exactly. Any other final thoughts on the Emmy awards before we call it a night? What did we think of the announcer? Oh, that's an interesting question. I thought he was really obnoxious. Yeah. I hated those side comments. Oh, that was my favorite show in 1993. I don't care. The facts that didn't have to do with the Emmys. Like, why is he telling us about Rambling Rose and Best Supporting Actress when Laura Dern wins? (laughs) And he couldn't even get the names out on time. Like, he was scrambling to say the word Bruce Dern, or the name Bruce Dern. (laughs) And, I don't know, it was just a little much. If you're going to have an announcer, have someone who could... Just read it calmly and do a good job. I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but come on. You're breaking Michael's uh, perceived notions of what an award show should be, people. (laughs) Gotta keep it classy. Uh, Cicely Tyson had a moment on stage. 93 years old. That is insane. She looks fantastic. She looks fantastic for 93. I saw her at the Creative Arts Emmys last week presenting an award. I don't think it was anything... Like medical that happened to her, I think she was just not having trouble reading the teleprompter, and that caused yeah. her to stop talking for a minute. Yeah. The woman has still got it. You watch How to Get Away with Murder, and she is still on top. Although, to be honest with you, I thought it was a little weird that they were talking about roots. Yeah, right before they the give it to the whitest was... show of all time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That was not good optics. I got the whole we were the first big miniseries, and we're going to give it to the next big miniseries, but no. You don't do it like that. So, yeah, I, I didn't. I, the producing of this show, just all around, you know, the Sean Spicer idea, the announcer idea, cutting people off, uh, just Colbert was fine. But the producing, the presentation of the show in general, a, a, in the end, fell completely flat, flat for me. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, good things, though, ending on a nice note. What did we think of the best moment of the show? I hope you know what I'm talking about. I highly doubt I do. The best moment of the show. The accountant's coming out to a song from Rachel Bloom called The Best Moment of the Show. <laughs> Mike, you, you should leave. <laughs> I love how excited Michael gets. <laughs> oh, he did a song and dance God. about accountants <sighs> on the Emmys. That should win a Grammy. You know, I was thinking uh, while watching the show, holy crap, this is the first award show since the Oscars. And I couldn't uh, help... The Tonys are very mad at you right now, Matt. Oh, shit. 
We did a whole series about that. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're totally right. <laughs> okay. All right. That's the signal that it's too late and that I need to go to bed. <laughs> God. Oh, the, the Broadway theater people have their forks and knives out ready to carve me into pieces right Nicole now. Nicole and Dan are going to come after you. Oh, God. Love you, Nicole and Dan. I love your work on Next Best Theater. Yeah, you don't... Oh, actually, Nicole's away in, across the pond, so you're safe from her. You don't want to piss off Nicole. Yeah. You're <sighs> screwed, Matt. Well, good to be screwed, I guess. All right. <laughs> Will Matt, yes, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Michael Schwartz. On Twitter at Mike Movie. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this very, very special podcast that we are giving to you exclusively on the Next Best Picture podcast called Next Best Series, where we talk about television awards. I don't know when our next episode will be. We're still trying to figure that one out as we speak. I'm still going to push for Rick and Morty. I think this should be a thing. Well, there's a lot to talk about on that front. I think the three of us need to get together and we need to really 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 discuss it as a group but not now not now we shall leave the listeners in anxious suspense until then you can subscribe to the next best picture podcast on itunes soundcloud google play stitcher player fm tune in and Castbox. i almost fumbled my words there a little bit be sure to leave us a review on itunes nothing less than five stars is acceptable we thank you so much always for listening and we will see you all next time History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.